0: 100 marathon club by darren smith number 43 south coast challenge 31st of august 2019 the ultra challenge events are not as challenging as their name suggests designed for charity hikers walkers and joggers to hit longer distances for a cause importance to them you can pick one day or two the full half or even quarter distance. There's a discount for group sign-up. There are expensive t-shirts. You must pay to have your bag transported to the end. And there's plenty at all the checkpoints to keep you fuelled. And ordinarily a hot meal at the finish. It was a challenge event, the Thames Path Challenge 16 Bridges, where somehow I got my best finish place of 7th. Only 16 minutes after the eventual winner. All that said, if you ever need a comfy 12th marathon or above for the year, it is an Ultra Challenge race. It was perfect. I had originally had to flip a coin to decide whether I should run this or the inaugural London Ultra. Both were 55k. Either would have allowed me to equal the total of the previous two years of marathon running, 12 in 12. But the comfort factor made me choose the south coast over South London, four months ahead of schedule. I chose day one and 55 kilometres of it, rather than any of the other options, primarily because the route was Eastbourne, to Brighton, something that I knew to some degree, having crossed the South Downs Way numerous times, including having run both the Brighton Half and Full and the Beachy Head Marathon in 2016. The difference here being that the Seven Sisters, those pesky little hills along the cliffs, would be at the start of this race and not at mile 20-something when we are all knackered. It was also a solo affair for me, and I took the train down the night before, getting a sea-view balcony room and a fish and ship supper to set me up nicely for a long day of running. Two watches this time, as is the new norm on longer races, after the Garmin and Polar died on recent trail runs, and I wore the same backpack, with the same two bottles and a spare can of drink. And I had a new sweet, too, squashies, with the idea coming from Jane, my running buddy at Fire and Ice, and they would do the trick, upping my sugar levels at the right time. I believed that I was ready, I was practised, and I had all the right kit in place. I was happy, I was positive, so much so I almost considered the idea of joining in with the warm-up before my wave was off. And it started well, as we all weaved through the back streets of Eastbourne, following the neon arrows, until we started climbing up to the first trail and caught up with the walkers from the 7am start. They had come to a halt in a congested area, a single narrow person-wide path between dense bushes. Other walkers from the party just milled about, looking out at the view of Eastbourne from height and taking photos. So we scooted by them to continue our run. A sign signalled that we were now joining the South Downs Way and the views, the sea on one side, to your left, and farmland stretching out on the other, took me back to my other races here. There was a trig point, And I got a photo. Soon, though, we caught up with the 6.45 walking group. This was by about 10 k as the sun started to bake us uh, as we came into the first checkpoint. I decided against stopping, but surveyed the goodies on offer to see what would be there at the later checkpoints. Sweets and biscuits, squash and tea. People were already seeing to their feet here. Socks off taping bleeding blisters 12 kilometers into a 55 or 110k race you need to look after your feet and your guts on the long ones spewing pooing and blisters will stop you in your tracks no matter how physically fit you are but there were no such problems for me though out of checkpoint one and i was getting into my stride just in time for the seven sisters the lumpiest of lumps too steep to run all the way up and too steep to run all the way down one after another and they're kind of fine at the end of beachy head as you have saved too much pain you've been saved too much pain until then here though we got them out of the way at the start of a long day and i felt them too i much preferred them going the other way when i'd been fully warmed up here they killed my legs The route to Checkpoint 2 took us along a riverbank, nice and flat, but the sun was strong and the fast runners from the 8 o'clock start started to catch us up. But I wasn't bothered though, I'm not in competition with them. This wasn't me against them, this was me against me. Well, me against me and the elements. Well, me against me and the elements... And the course. At the checkpoint, though, when I arrived, I discovered that those fast runners, or majority of them at least, were actually only completing the 23k race, not even a quarter of the route, and that this was it for them, this was their finish. I was a bit jealous, but I had a long way to go. So I downed a couple of cups of Coke, uh, a cup of tea with two mini Kit Kats, used the toilet facilities and was on my way. Bosh. Looking back, the route gets hazy at times. There were very few styles to climb, very few roads to cross. It was trail, mainly all the way until we got to Brighton. There was a bike ride, going on at the same time and our paths crossed with the cyclists going the opposite direction. There was one huge climb and we ran along the top of the hill, then another trig point and then a third, a vandalised one at this time, uh, which is disappointing and I think it should be returned to its former state. Checkpoint 3 appeared in the distance the other side of a river and a railway track. It was a little bit idyllic and about five kilometres away as we went through a field with the sign on the gate stating Beware of the Bull. We would be running directly away from the checkpoint for a while on a long zigzag down the hill, down a chalky path as an elderly walking party huffed and puffed their way up it. Then we were along a country lane to the railway crossing, where we were forced to take the concrete stairs over the tracks, before running across the last bridge across the river and entering the best of the checkpoints. Checkpoint 3 had it all. Grumpy teenagers scanning the timing barcodes on the way in, a cheery marshal making tea in the tent the largest pick-and-mix outside of a Woolworths in the 1970s, and a fruit platter. I filled my water bottles with squash and filled my face with melon and sat to enjoy a cup of tea and a catch-up with my people on Twitter, Instagram and WhatsApp. It's always good to know you aren't alone on these races, even if you are only running by yourself. You can be put through the ringer, On these races. So knowing people out there, at home, on their phone, wherever they are, are cheering you on and caring, albeit remotely, it's a boost. And so, after a pause, a second cuppa, and updating everyone else, I was off. 35 kilometres done, 20 to go. Out of the checkpoint and by an old church, and I soon found myself on quiet dirt roads. It was good to be on the flat after all the hills. There were bales of hay rolled up on the sides of the road adding to the scene and the field had thinned. It had thinned to the point where you thought you were alone until you hit a long straight and suddenly your fellow runners appear in front of you and behind you in the distance. Dark storm clouds rolled in from the sea. You could see them coming from miles off. They were heavy, black and pendulous. We were at the top of the next large hill, as straight as a dye concrete path, splitting fields of, from what I can tell, broken chalk. There was nothing else, there was no crop, there was not even any grass, just broken chalk. The wind sideswiped us the whole time, and it was all you could hear in one ear. I had to take off my cap to stop it disappearing into the distance, and then we saw Brighton appear in the hori- on the horizon. The football ground, first, with its floodlights, and then the rest of the town, all the way to the sea and the I 360, the revolving viewing tower. We did still have a long way to go, relatively speaking, at least another 10 kilometres as we came to what be, would be the last and the most disappointing checkpoint. As I said, checkpoint four was disappointing. After tea and squash and food and seats and happy, cheery marshals at the others, this was a handful of water tubs and a Porterloo. No seats no food and next to a busy road so i just went straight through it if you were walking it though 10k is still two hours from the halfway point and you may have wanted more than what was on offer i just shrugged though and waited at the road for a gap in the traffic before heading on to the last leg this bit we didn't like after a long asphalt path that ran the boundary of Brighton we turned at the race track, where it was hot and the going was firm and then one last climb before we said goodbye to any sort of trail and found ourselves in town. A very steep road on the way down kept on and on there was no paths and we found ourselves pelting down it before hitting the promenade. And tens of thousands of people. They were everywhere. There were Hindus and Stagdoos and drunkards and families and buses of kids from tooting and coachloads of the elderly. You name it. It was there, and it was in front of us. The cycle lane is attached to the path. And cyclists still raced up and down it. At one point, a hindu tried to keep pace with us as we lowered our eyes and just kept going. Goodness knows what they wanted. They were probably drunk. A lot of people were. And it wasn't until we passed a green space being invaded by caravans that the crowds finally fell away and we could march on. One last turn at the statue of Queen Victoria and then a straight climb up and towards Hove Park and a comfortable finish and time to collect your medal eat the hot meal change your clothes and get a cab back to the station so I could be home in time for tea Job done 12 in 12 completed in August and in just a little over 7 months having started in February this year Well, that's a new personal best in itself Next up, the Tring Ultra